You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can, in fact, follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, where you can see all of my terrible Winnipeg Jets takes and opinions, and roast me for them. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On this episode of the podcast, I wanted to go over a couple of things. I wanted to discuss what I felt was Winnipeg's performance from last night's game against the Edmonton Oilers in a little bit more fuller form after I've given some thought to um, some of the trends and things that emerged, what I think the rest of the series is going to look like, and ultimately whether or not the Jets really stand a chance of beating this team. And then after that, we will give some series updates from around the NHL as the rest of the playoffs are all currently underway. And of course, the Jets will be back in action tomorrow night against the Oilers for Game 2. Before even really thinking about Game 2, though, it's time to reflect on Game 1. And this was a an interesting first game, I would say, for a couple of reasons. The first thing that kind of caught my attention was that the Jets really did a pretty good job of limiting McDavid. They kind of silenced a lot of his rushes and counters, especially shutting down the neutral zone for him, and also limiting the stuff that he was able to do once he was in front of Hellebuck. The thing with McDavid is that you can never fully stop him. Part of what makes him so dangerous is that his hand-eye coordination in extremely tight spaces, plus his incredibly good center of balance, incredible edge work, and ridiculous spatial awareness is that it's very difficult to actually limit all of those aspects once he's anywhere inside the slot. If he's inside your offensive zone, you're already in trouble. So McDavid, one of those guys that you just don't want to give any sort of space or leeway to, and I think the Jets actually did a pretty okay job of trying to really frustrate him. Last night was probably one of the rare times that you see McDavid kind of throw a minor tantrum, relatively speaking. I'm sure like every pro athlete, he does get emotional, but not in the same way as like actually showing a lot of frustration. In particular, when it comes to the season, everything has kind of worked out for him. So for the most part, it's been very easy for him to accrue a ton of points. Last night, you know, for the first time, it was one of those games where a team actually did a pretty good job of of limiting his opportunities. And and sure, he is going to get shots off. He is going to get into dangerous areas. But if you kind of disrupt him and really throw him off his game, you can kind of limit some of the damage he can do. I feel like Neil Pionk throughout most of his career against McDavid has done a pretty good job of showing that. Once you've limited McDavid, it then comes down to how you handle the rest of the roster, and to be honest, I don't think the Jets did that great for the most part. Um, One of the things that kind of bothered me about the way Winnipeg played was that they don't really pressure Edmonton's other lines all that much. Against Drysaddle, I do understand if you're a little bit more cautious, because Drysaddle with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and uh, also Kyler Yamamoto is a pretty dangerous combo, so that trio you don't want to allow get into a uh, a good attacking positioning and certainly creating chances off the rush. But, you know, for the other two lines, you really have to apply pressure and you have to put a lot of onus on the back end to really carry Edmonton's defensive load. If the defenders for Edmonton are put under pressure, oftentimes they make a lot of mistakes. 
The Oilers' D structure is not that dissimilar from the Jets in terms of it can be caved very easily with applying a few overlapping routes and some pressure. Those guys all love collapsing into the slot, which is something that, honestly, I feel like the Jets should take advantage of. The Oilers defensively aren't, like, horrific or anything, and in fact, they do okay at times because they know where to sort of stifle you, and, and certainly they throw enough bodies in front of the net that it is hard to get shots through, but... With the sort of shooting talent and creative skill that the Jets have, I was hoping that maybe they would actually take advantage of it more. Unfortunately, we didn't really see some of the top scorers get going, and instead we got goals from Tucker Pullman and, of course, Dominic Toninato, who tipped a Logan Stanley shot for the game winner. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting game. I, I think the Jets are going to have to do a lot better in terms of managing those other depth lines, but this has kind of been a problem throughout the entire regular season. The one key difference was that McDavid didn't actually compensate for it. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to say the Jets are in decent straights. I think one game is probably not enough to get a better sense of how this series is going to pan out. I think the Jets have a, a chance to maybe force like a Game 6 or a Game 7, but eventually McDavid will win out, and I think that that's just something that you have to accept. Whether he's going to win out in, you know, this playoff run or in the regular season next year, you're going to have to figure out for yourself. Ultimately, McDavid is going to have his way at one point or another, so just try and limit the damage and, and win the matchups against your other opponents that are easier times to mark. Winnipeg thus far hasn't really done a great job of that, but if they can figure out a way to get to Edmonton's depth later in the series, I think they're going to have a, you know, a decent chance of maybe scratching a win out here. I don't think it's that likely. But we also saw that the Jets really didn't take any penalties yesterday, which is kind of a big thing. If the Oilers don't have their power play, a lot of their offense and scoring tends to go away. When McDavid's off the ice, no one else is really carrying that 5v5 offense, so a lot of their creation and scoring certainly comes off of really good power plays. They can load and stack that unit as much as they want. Without McDavid scoring, and without the power play working as well as Edmonton would have hoped, you know, the Jets were able to scratch out a win with Hellebuck making some fantastic saves, but... It's not a recipe that I would rely on. I think the Jets need to start looking at diversifying their scoring. I still have Edmonton probably prevailing in six to seven games. It just seems like the most realistic outcome at this point. But maybe the Jets are going to surprise us. I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, in a short playoff series, anything can happen. And certainly we've seen goalie steal series before. I don't know if Hellebuck is going to be able to do it against McDavid. This is a, a shooter that he has traditionally had trouble with. And it's not like everyone else doesn't struggle against McDavid too. It's freaking McDavid. It's just that the extra layers of deception and, and hesitance that Connor adds to his game really seem to throw Hellebuck off. So I'm curious to know how this pans out. If McDavid comes back in tomorrow's game looking really angry and fast and starts to score again, the Jets might be in some trouble. So, you know, I'm hoping that Winnipeg does what it did in the last game, just a, a better version of that, certainly in controlling play. But I'm not overly confident in that occurring. So, you know, we'll wait to see what happens in reserve judgment. For now, we're going to move on to the rest of the score lines from around the NHL. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about tonight's title sponsors at rockauto.com. If you've ever had to buy auto parts before, let's be honest, you all know it's a pain in the butt. You don't know what you're looking for half the time, and even if you do, it's really hard to know if you're getting the best prices possible. If you want to stop wasting time and money, then head on over to rockauto.com right now. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to search by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set price range filters so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and order in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? There are zero membership fees and all customers pay the same prices no matter their level of experience in the industry. When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are going to start taking a look at some of the score lines from around the NHL and talk about some early storylines in these games. Yesterday we had Boston beating Washington in overtime 3-2. I think almost all of these games, if not all of them, have gone to overtime, and now Boston leads the series 2-1. to one. This one's kind of an interesting series because I feel like, in many respects, I had it as basically a coin flip. All of the games going to overtime hasn't really swayed my thoughts on that. It's really hard to get a sense of which team is going to prevail. You know, last night's game, unfortunately, Ilya Samsonov, after having a really great performance in net, actually made a critical error and kind of cost his team the game. But you can't really blame him for struggling on one singular moment when the team itself was having issues scoring on Tuka Rosk, so I'm not really sure if you can get mad at him. It's one of those situations where the Caps just kind of have to be better. Washington was pretty good, but then I think late in the game they started having issues and eventually conceded a number of goals that were probably avoidable, and so... Washington kind of a victim of its own success sometimes. I think, you know, the Caps with a lead sort of reminds me of Winnipeg with a lead. They sometimes hold on by the seat of their pants, and I feel like just not getting enough of a goal margin to where you can feel comfortable against that Bruins team, that's going to be an issue if Washington can't find separation distance. All of these games going to overtime early kind of bodes ill for once they get past this first round because they're going to expend a lot of extra energy just trying to keep up. And if, in fact, they get eliminated in this first round, it might actually be a blessing because Boston's going to be facing some really dogged teams in the next round. I'm sure the Caps are disappointed in their performance so far, but this was always going to be a bit of a dice roll series. I didn't have a confident favorite. I felt like maybe the Caps might prevail, but they've had some serious issues with COVID and certainly some of their players maybe not having the best of playoff outings, but that's kind of what you get with this team. I think Washington is very good on paper in a lot of areas, but they're one of these teams that I've said throughout the season, I don't really trust them. I don't think they're quite as good as things seem to appear, so I am suspicious of their success. I'm curious to know if they're actually going to survive this series against Boston. Uh, You know, there's plenty of time for them to reverse their fortunes, but obviously being down 2-1 in the series, not really a great start. Up next, we had a much more decisive series, which is Carolina versus Nashville. Carolina took the first game like 5-2 or something like that, and then last night they took it 3-0 against the Preds again. This one, an Alex Nadelkovic shutout. I have to say that the Canes shutting out the Preds, actually decently impressive. You know, the Nashville team this year was kind of odd. Start of the season, not so great. And, I've you know, I've always said that this team, one thing that they do struggle with is scoring goals. That hasn't really changed as much, mostly because a lot of their forwards aren't really that great when it comes to goal scoring prowess. You know, they've got Philip Forsberg and a few others, you know, certainly Victor Arvidsson and Eli Tolvanen can definitely put it in the back of the net. But beyond that, you're starting to run real thin. Their offensive creation ability is just a little bit limited, and you you, you pit them against a team like Carolina, and that's not much of a chance for them. So I'm really not surprised by the result, but I will say that I am kind of surprised that Nadelkovic is actually playing as well as he has so far. Alex is one of those goalkeepers that I didn't really imagine to be all that impressive. His AHL career numbers and certainly some of his pre-AHL stuff a little bit middling compared to what you would expect. He has a lot of the right fundamentals and technicals, and certainly I don't think he's like a small goalie either, so he does have impressive reflexes and wingspan, but none of that had solidified itself into a, a... capable NHL caliber goalie who looked like he'd go the distance, but something changed in this season. He's been apparently lights out for the past several games, including a pretty dominant streak late in the season for the Canes, so maybe he's finally put two and two together. Goalies for me are always like a really hit or miss affair. You really don't know what you're getting with them. Even Hellebuck has had his stretches where 
you weren't really sure if he was going to be the true perennial starter and maybe like a franchise goalie for this team, even if he'd showed promise before. Hellebuck has certainly entrenched himself as that now, and, and definitely has earned that role, so it's not like that's in question anymore, but oftentimes, even these really entrenched, amazing starters, they'll have years where you're kind of like, man, are they really the same goalie that they were? And then it's just a, apparently like a down season or so, or maybe even a short stretch of bad games, and they're back to their best. Goalie drafting, man, I would never want to do it, because a lot of the stuff that looks like it should work, or, or maybe should translate to the NHL level, doesn't really work for that specific goalie, and who knows why. No one really seems to understand it beyond goaltenders themselves. Maybe they don't always understand why it sometimes works and why it doesn't. It's always a strange position, so... Carolina probably doesn't want to lean on Alex entirely. I think they need to keep up their goal-scoring prowess and certainly their defensive details, which they've been good at for, you know, most of the season, I would say. This is a team that has really good balance at both ends of the ice, something that I think they take pride in. And if Nadelkovic is actually capable of backstopping them throughout the rest of the postseason, I mean, you've got yourself a pretty good-looking cup contender. I mean, this team has a really deep roster, very good goaltending apparently for the time being. Who knows how long that will last. But they just do everything really well, so I'm, I'm interested to see how far they can go. Maybe this is a team that's going to surprise everyone. I know that the Canes have been tabbed as potential Stanley Cup contenders for a while now. It's taken a little bit for them to start to coalesce and actually make a deep playoff run. If ever there was a season for them to make noise, this might be it. There's plenty of chaos. The The Canes could conceivably face maybe teams that are beneath them or, or maybe squads that they're actually capable of handling. If, in fact, though, they have to go against the Tampa Bay or something... I think the Lightning are just built different when it comes to postseason hockey. Speaking of Tampa Bay hockey, we will be talking about their playoff series in just a moment. But before we get into too many more scorelines, I thought you should know about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and so many other fantastic sports, all at your fingertips. Before that next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join all of your favorite teams as they prep for their deep playoff runs and their quests for glory. Start winning as they win. To get betting, register for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping some scorelines from around the NHL. Before we get on to tonight's scoreline, we did have one more from last night, and that is Colorado beating the Blues 6-3. Apparently this game actually wasn't nearly as lopsided as the scoreline makes it look, but sometimes that is just the way the cookie crumbles. Aside from the scoreline, the other probably notable aspect of this game was that Nazem Kadri got ejected for hitting somebody in the head. In this case, it was Justin Falk, who very much looked like he was out on the ice. You know, it's unfortunate because Kadri is such a brilliant player, but he just has such poor self-control, and unfortunately, he again crossed the line, and you have to wonder how many more chances he gets. I feel like we go through this every year with him, and it's like, you know, is Dops ever going to actually take a hard line against some of these guys? I'm sure the CBA has some protections for players who are essentially repeat offenders, but over multiple seasons, so, you know, in some ways I do get it, but by the same token, it's just really embarrassing that this is the state of the sport. 
The same people keep getting away with the same stuff time and time again, whether it's Kadri or Wilson, and at some point the league is going to have to reform and figure out how to get around this stuff. Colorado now leads that series 2 to nothing, but maybe the Blues are going to be able to win Game 3 because it did seem like for at least part of that game they were actually starting to piece the Avs offense together and figure out ways to neutralize some of their counters. Moving on to tonight's games, we had some really crazy ones. We had Tampa Bay and Florida going the distance 6-5 to five in, in uh, overtime. This one actually emerging victorious for the Panthers. And of all people, Ryan Lomberg scoring his second career NHL goal on a beautiful lofted feed that somehow basically gave him a breakaway. I, I don't even know how the sequence happened. I don't know how Lomberg found himself in overtime in a situation where he was even in a breakaway, but he turned and burned Victor Hedman and scored the game winner, maybe salvaging this series for the Panthers. Florida had the early lead in this game, and certainly I, I kept checking back and seeing the scoreline continually change. The, the Lightning are one of those really scary teams where it's just so hard to, to really shut them down for any stretch of time. No matter what you do to contain that roster, eventually they find a way through, and I think this is one of those situations where... In many ways, the Panthers are probably fortunate that they actually escaped with the win. I do think Sergei Bobrovsky was actually brought in at some point to replace the starter for the night. And yet somehow, despite having a lead and then blowing it and finding themselves down 5-3 to three to the Lightning, they climbed back into the game and ended up winning in overtime. So a massive, massive, potentially series-defining win. We'll have to see how this works out for the, the Panthers. They're still down 2-1 uh, to one in the series, but it's been an absolute goal fest so far, so maybe we can you know be excited for some more offense as the series continues. In another high-scoring game, we had the Pittsburgh Penguins beating the, uh, the New York Islanders 5-4 to four in this one, which actually gives them the 2-1 series lead. I think this game was one where the Islanders were, were really close to actually pulling it off. You know, they've done a pretty good job of, of containing Pittsburgh and finding ways to grab opportunistic go-ahead goals. Some really impressive ones, too. But unfortunately, you know, Pittsburgh always found the answer and Varlamov just wasn't that great in net. So, you know, it's probably time for him to come out for Ilya Sorokin. Maybe Sorokin can actually pull this one back for the Islanders, tie the series in his next game. But again, that one is kind of like Florida versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's just going to be a very crazy series. All of these teams dislike each other for one reason or another. You can almost feel like it's a very bitter rivalry. All of them have been very physical, very intense, very high-scoring games. As neutral fans, we're all very excited just to see lots of goals, and I think these series are going to promise even more for us as they continue on. Uh, the last couple of games we've got on the, the docket will cover um, Vegas versus Minnesota first because that one is actually still ongoing. Vegas is currently leading 3-2. to two. Minnesota had the early one uh, nothing lead in this game, and then Vegas started to open things up and actually has the lead now 3-2 to two in a series that is currently tied 1-1. If Vegas can hold on to this win, they will in fact move into the uh, the lead in this series 2-1, to one, but it's it's very much a long series. The Wild have been there, you know, lockstep with this team so far, very tight series, very interesting, very defensive in a lot of areas, and certainly the goaltending has been at a very high level, so I don't know who's actually going to prevail. I do think Vegas probably takes it, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Wild upset them. The last game of the night is arguably the marquee matchup of the North Division, and that is Toronto versus Montreal. Montreal actually won 2-1 to one thanks to a Paul Byron shorthanded goal and the Habs now own a 1-0 series lead, but that's probably not the biggest storyline of the night. Unfortunately, John Tavares got accidentally kneed in the head by um, Corey Perry. You know, Tavares was falling, completely caught Perry off guard. Corey never really saw him, unfortunately collided with him, 
and Tavares had to be stretchered off the ice. You know, Tavares is going to be out for probably at least most of the playoffs, so at this rate, Toronto might legit be in trouble because Carey Price was unbelievable in net, and if he's actually playing this well throughout the rest of the series, missing Tavares is going to be a huge hole for that team. It's obviously far too early to call it. It is literally just game one, but Tavares' absence already is going to have a major impact on Toronto's offense, and I'm very curious to see how they try to fill it. You know, Tavares may not be the world's best number, you know, number two center or even number one center on some teams, but that doesn't mean he's not an important contributor to the Maple Leafs offense, especially on the power play. You know, this guy is a monster scorer. We've seen him pull off some incredible stuff as a Maple Leaf, and uh, obviously his presence both in leadership and in offensive performance, it's going to be a major gap for the Leafs to fill, and now Montreal has an end to the series. Not the way that they would have wanted it to turn out, but certainly, uh, you know, a chance for them to actually build on this lead and maybe win game number two. We'll see how that one goes throughout the weekend, but uh, tomorrow night we will have the Jets again versus the Oilers. You'll hear my coverage on tomorrow night's episode, some early thoughts from that game, maybe some uh, early series predictions if they've changed after, you know, a couple of periods into game two. Probably not going to change all that much, so don't get your hopes up, but you never truly know with these teams. For now, though, that is going to do it for tonight's show. Before you log off, don't forget to check out the Locked Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.